Hello, welcome to This Week in the Atlantic Coast Conference, the podcast for allsportsdiscussion.com. This is Jeff, one of your podcast co-hosts, and you can follow me on X or Twitter, whatever they're calling it these days, at Talkin ACC Sports. That's at T-A-L-K-I-N ACC Sports. You can follow the moderator, Matthew, at ASD underscore hokey smash uh, but he spends a lot more time these days at all sports d a c c that's our site uh x twitter account uh, i'll turn it over to matthew now our moderator as we try to get our guest onto the show Welcome back to This Week in the ACC. This is the podcast of AllSportsDiscussion.com. This is the longest-running independent ACC podcast in the United States, and tonight we have a great return guest. You can follow Ethan Moore on Twitter at at underscore Ethan Moore. Again, that's at underscore Ethan Moore. That's at underscore E-T-H-A-N-M-O-O-R-E and Louisville Sports Live at at L-V-I-L-L-E-S-P-O-R-S-S-P-R-T-S-L-I-V-E. Again, that's at L-V-I-L-L-E-S-P-R-T-S-L-I-V-E. That's Louisville Sports Live. That's the Twitter account there. Ethan and his colleague, Taylor Lynch, who you can follow on Twitter at at Taylor Lynch. That's at T-A-Y-L-E-R-L-Y-N-C-H. Have a radio show that it's dedicated to the University of Louisville sports on 93.9 FM, The Ville. Their Twitter account is at 939TheVille, which is powered by ESPN every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock Eastern Time. Louisville Sports Live is Louisville's longest-running University of Louisville sports talk radio show. It's over 10 years, so we are delighted to have Ethan Moore back on our show. He's been a great supporter of our site and our podcast for several years. He joins us on picks he joins us on panels for blog posts he's just uh, he's just been an all-around supporter of we're of our site and we're thrilled to have him back again here as a he's our louisville expert that's what we point to him as ethan welcome back friend is there anything that you want to plug before we start friend thank you for your time or for spending your time with us this sunday sunday evening and what well, guys, I always appreciate you having me. And again, um, when you say that, like expert, uh, I'm I'm very humbled. However, you just use that term loosely um, as we get into the show this evening. Uh, but I always enjoy coming on with you guys. I like talking ACC sports. Love talking U of L sports, as you have so eloquently brought me in. Um, as always, gentlemen, look forward to it. Jeff, you're up, friend. Take care. All right. Thanks, Matthew. Uh, Ethan, if you can just turn yourself up just a hair, that would be great. All right. Um, Sounding okay now? Yeah. All right, Ethan. Who was your ACC team of the week uh, this past week in ACC basketball? And who was your most disappointing team of the week in the ACC? Oh, great question. Uh, for me, I think the most uh, 
the most impressive team was probably UNC. Um, I think that they're clicking on all cylinders, uh, especially when it comes to offense. Uh, you know, they just embarrassed they embarrassed Syracuse uh, yesterday, and you know, and since they lost to Louisville's arch rival uh, a few weeks ago, I think they've really kind of stepped it up, um, and they've they've seemed to be very impressive, especially on their home floor. Um, and you know, as I say that. Uh, Louisville gets set to uh, travel to Chapel Hill on Wednesday for uh, for a game against the Tar Heels. So that would be my most, um, I guess, impressive team. The the team that's most disappointing. You know what? I'm still gonna go with with Pitt. Um, you know they they're one and four in the league, tie with Louisville. Uh, for dead last, of course, Pitt's only win of the ACC slate so far has been against Louisville. Um, they just, I, I don't know, defensively, um, they're they are erratic. Offensively, it's almost kind of like they're like a poor man's Miami. If they're not hitting threes, then they're not going to win. Um, I don't want to make anybody else mad, but I think Virginia Tech is kind of struggling as well. Sorry, Matthew. Um, I wouldn't put them... Um, as the most disappointing team in the ACC, certainly. But um, I think, uh, you know, with Hunter Couture being out, that doesn't help matters. Uh, but for me, UNC, most impressive, and Pitt, the least impressive. All right, very good. And, and UNC's a great choice. And, and like you said, offensively, they look almost unstoppable. But now that their defense is starting to catch up a little bit, with them, I mean, they're shutting down teams too. Uh, right now, they might be playing as well as anybody uh, in the country with all the upsets that happened this last past week. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I think they're going to be sitting pretty when that poll comes out tomorrow. They very well um, could be in the top five. You know, the Tar Heels are thirteen and three overall, five and zero oh in ACC play. Um, like you mentioned, and they just took care of the the NC State team that beat Louisville um, in Raleigh uh, earlier this week by by 13 points. And if you watch that game, it wasn't even that close. So it looks like they, you know, uh, looks like they got stuff rolling at the right time. Um, you know, and Hubert Davis, Hubert Davis's squad looks uh, primed to to if not win the ACC, at least uh, get a double bye come March. Yep. Yep. Very good. All right, what ACC game are you looking forward to the most this upcoming week, and who should be on upset alert this week? Well, for me, I'm going to go with um, the the home team here for me anyway, and that's and that's Louisville. Uh, but I'm not going to to uh, use that game against North Carolina on Wednesday. I, I'm going to say, what does Louisville look like on the road against a very good, a very hot Wake Forest team? Uh, a team that's you know certainly not a uh, a shoe in for the NCAA tournament, but a team that's that's improving um, with their big man Reed now um, being eligible and ready to roll. He has gotten off to a sensational start, already leading the team in average uh, in in rebounding uh, for the Demon Deacons. For me, that's the game that I that I'm looking forward to the most, and it's because of you know Louisville playing a little bit better. Uh, you know, a little bit better this week uh, as opposed to what we've been accustomed to under Kenny Payne, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but for me, I, I think that for this game when Louisville travels, 
uh, to Winston-Salem. I want to see if they're able to keep any of this momentum going. And that, and that is assuming that Louisville, um, you know, kind of takes it on the chin uh, against UNC on, on Wednesday. And, of course, now my, my, uh, my computer, my iPad's not generating as quickly uh, as it needs to be. Uh, so I, I still don't have – I'm pulling up the ACC schedule as we speak. And, of course, you know, the beauty of technology. It's awesome when it works, and it's, it's terrible when it doesn't. Um, so I'm going to go and, and try to get you uh, that answer here. And let me see here. I apologize for the delay. Um, and that's, that's going to be a Saturday, my Saturday game that I have. And this is, this is something, too, and this is kind of off the radar a little bit, but Virginia and, Virgi and Georgia Tech. That for me, of course, and this is the Cavaliers on upset alert because for some reason, I mean, they are just um, woefully inept on the road this year. I don't, I don't know the road record off the top of my head, but Virginia uh, is not only losing when they travel away from Charlottesville, they're getting blown out. And so the, the Cavaliers definitely should be on upset alert. Georgia Tech, who played Duke tough the other day and, of course, beat Duke in Atlanta last month Virginia has to get some stuff figured out I mean right now guys they're on the outside looking in in terms of an NCAA tournament bid so when you when you look at their when you look at the schedule of of a Virginia especially when, when they're going on the road at Memphis they lost by 23 at Notre Dame they lost by 22 at NC State they lost by 16 and then at Wake they lost by 19 so they're not only losing away from home, they're getting blown out. So upset alert for sure, a middle-of-the-pack Georgia Tech team. If UVA wants to make the tournament, they cannot lose that one. All right. Ethan, good answers there. Um, are there any national games that have caught your attention that you're looking forward to this week? Well, national games are still going to keep it more or less – in the ACC, and um, and this this game is going to be Miami and Syracuse, and and I say that strictly because of of what Miami can do and what Miami also cannot do, and that was the game that they played Louisville um, this week. I, I thought Miami was a dark horse um, top twenty team. I thought that they could flirt with a, maybe a top five national seed. And that has not been the case. Um, they look in, in, impressive in spurts. And, again, that's, that, this is not going to jump out the page at anyone. Um, but if you go outside of the ACC, I think this this weekend, this upcoming weekend, you have Baylor going to Texas. And Texas is another team that Louisville played earlier in the year. Um, I know you guys love all the Louisville tie-ins in some form or fashion. But, but Baylor and Texas, uh, of course – Two, two in-state rivals with Texas going to the SEC, Baylor staying in a very expanded Big 12. I watched a lot of the Baylor game uh, last night when they played Cincinnati. And, you know, Scott Drew, as always, has the Bears rolling at the right time. Texas has been kind of inconsistent, um, certainly not nearly as disappointing as Virginia has and Miami has. Uh, but uh, it's in Austin at the Moody Center. That would be my national game to kind of pay attention to outside of the ACC. 
All right. Um, all right, Eden, we're going to give you a, a chance to, to really deep dive on Louisville basketball. You know, what are your thoughts on the, on the men's basketball situation? And you can also talk about um, football coming off the, the, you know, the ACC title game season. But then, you know, also saw finish with a three-game losing streak, uh, including uh, the loss to the arch rival well, Kentucky. You know, give us your feel on both programs right now. Well, pull up a chair, ladies and gentlemen. Now, for basketball, um, I alluded to it, alluded to it earlier. Um, this past week, you saw a glimpse of what Louisville basketball. Um, what the fans are used to Louisville basketball being, beating um, a very good Miami team, an NCAA tournament team on the road, um, taking shot after shot. Uh, Louisville got punched in the mouth, but they finally counterpunched and then knocked the Canes out. And then losing at home to a good, uh, maybe not great, NC State team. Uh, but I think, too, in what I've said on our postgame shows, is that you're going to have to kind of separate this season from the program standards because this, while Louisville went one and one this week, they're still last in the ACC at one and four. They're still just one of two teams in the league with a losing record. And, you know, Kenny Payne under his, you know, in the Kenny Payne era, Louisville is 10 and 38 and three and 23 in the ACC. So you've had a lot of people, um, you know, around incarnation, certainly we can be happy with um, Louisville playing better, but there is a long, long way to go before Louisville uh, gets back to the standards that the fans expect and are accustomed to. And it's just kind of a weird, I don't even know the word to explain it, gentlemen. It's just like a weird vibe because, like, you can admit that Louisville is playing better, and, and, and they are improving, but at the same time, I mean, we expected Louisville to be better because how could you not be, you know, any better than 4-28 from, from last year? So it's kind of a weird dynamic where fans are happy that the team's playing well, but at the same time still, still understanding that, that this is way below uh, Louisville basketball expectations and standards. And the football, you guys summarized it beautifully, um, Jeff Brom, who finished ACC runner-up uh, runner for Coach of the Year. Um, he was – he had a sensational first year. But, man, losing three games in a row, especially to the team up the road, um, it put a little bit of a sour taste in our mouth. I think Louisville showed themselves well, at least defensively, in the ACC championship against Florida State. And then losing how they did to an undermanned USC team was very disappointing. Um, Louisville, of course, was without their leading rusher and receiver, just like USC was. Um, but Jack Plummer really struggled the last two games. He was abysmal against Florida State in the ACC championship, and he was he was just as bad against USC um, in the Holiday Bowl. And I think that you know that in itself again leaves a sour taste in your mouth. Um, uh, but it was still a fantastic season. The first time Louisville has, has reached the 10-win mark at, at, since becoming a member of the ACC and just the seventh time in school history for Louisville football to win 10 or more games. So it's a fantastic year. 
Um, but again, it, it, it was a little sour there towards the end with those three losses. But Louisville uh, fans are definitely excited uh, for year two under Jeff Brom as Louisville has um, the number one portal class, according to Rivals and on three. And I think the last time I checked, it's either three or four and two, four, seven sports is portal ranking. So Coach Brom, um, we nicknamed him here in Louisville, the portal king. Um, so he's doing that. He's doing exactly what he did last year in the offseason, and he's getting a bunch of dudes. And last year, uh, we had a lot of question marks of the offensive line, and Brom answered that call um, almost immediately in the portal. And now this year, the position group that Coach Brom is, is addressing quickly is the secondary. So, um, you know, again, that's what we're kind of accustomed to now with, with Jeff Brom being the football coach, he's going to go out there. He's going to flip this roster. They had like 40 new guys last year. Already we're looking at like three or 30, excuse me, for this upcoming season. And we fully expect more moves to be made after spring ball. Uh, but, yeah, all everybody's excited again for year two of Jeff Brom. The schedule's a little bit tougher uh, this upcoming season, but we're ready for it. All right, great stuff there, Ethan. Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you now uh, for the last couple questions in the podcast. Ethan, I want to go back to what one of our earlier to one of our earlier topics and ACC ACC games that are coming up for the week. Uh, Florida State seems to be turning it around, don't you think? They're like, I mean, they kind of came out of nowhere. They had a tough start. They're four and one. And I, I'm really intrigued to watch Miami and, and Florida this upcoming week. I think that I think that's really going to be a good game. What are your What are your thoughts there? Well, um, I mentioned on Louisville Sports Live a couple of weeks ago that Louisville, even before they beat Miami, was going to beat Florida State, um, and that was a little bit before they started playing better, simply because you know there's talent on this team, and, and I and I think Louisville uh, could beat them at home. Uh, especially how they've been playing a little bit better. But, yes, I mean, this is historically, um, you know, alongside Virginia, Louisville has always struggled consistently beating Florida State in basketball. Uh, Leonard Hamilton had Chris Mack's number. Um, and, of course, um, Florida State beat Louisville last year uh, in embarrassing fashion. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you, Matthew. I certainly think Florida State is, is a team to watch. And the ACC is quietly having a pretty good season. Um, yes. <laughs> you have, uh, of course, Duke and North Carolina. Clemson's been strong. You have Wake Forest. Um, you have NC State. Uh, you talked about Florida State improving. I think the ACC is getting slept on a little bit. Uh, they tied in the, the SEC-ACC challenge. They're just lucky that Louisville didn't have a game in that one. They would have cast the, the lot in ACC's favor. But yeah, man, I think the ACC is going to slip on a little bit, and there's there's a lot better teams out there uh, than people are giving this league credit for. There, there, I absolutely. I'm I'm glad you said that. And like the the other game I'm looking forward to this upcoming week, quite frankly, is the Commonwealth Cup Series for Virginia and Virginia and Virginia Tech. It's always a good one. A lot of folks anticipate Hunter Couture to come back. I think he may have been the difference last night with his – he's one of the best on-the-ball on the defenders in the ACC, and I think that may have been the difference between Virginia Tech 
and that game the game with Miami they're still Hokies are still sitting at two and three and quite frankly you know still have some still are you know they're still a Q1 team for a lot of play a lot of a lot of other teams in the conference plus uh you know the a lot of people seem to forget about that Boise State win that Virginia Tech had that keeps seem to pay seems to be paying dividends and things like that so it's you know it's a it's certainly I mean I think there, I think any team in this conference, I'm probably getting ahead of myself, can probably win two games at the ACC tournament. But we'll talk about that here later. I want to get your I want to get your thoughts here on Jim Phillips here, Ethan, because Jeff and I have had a long conversation about this, and we seem to go back and forth about him. I have questions. I think a lot of people should be asking about his performance at this point because I I wrote a post at all sports discussion quite a while ago about how, and this was from the eighties. My uncle was actually a professor at Virginia tech. And I wrote a a post about it, about, uh, you know, but there were ACC teams that were not using the tools of strategic planning. And I was wondering whether, uh, you know, whether there should be a follow-up dissertation on that because, it seems to me that strategic planning and strategic communication seem to be missing from Jim Phillips' repertoire right now. And some of us question whether he should long-term be in that position. So I'm, I am I feel like I've been editorializing here a little bit, so I'll probably go light on my, on my open mic. <laughs> but what are your thoughts here, Ethan? The floor is yours, friend. I think we probably align. Um pretty much with exactly what you said. I thought that he was a day late and a dollar short in, in terms of uh, being aggressive with, with conference expansion. You know, once you had, you know, the Pac-12 on the ropes, the Big 12 was the league. And Brett Yormick, who's been very impressive from my view as the commissioner of the Big 12, he was aggressive. He did all the homework. And, and I'm sure you gentlemen know, that you know, once in sept, you know, August and September, when you know it looked like the the Pac-12's death was imminent, um, you know, the ACC there was a quick flurry. The you know the ACC met to to add five to seven potential members from the Pac-12, but then the Big Twelve had already done their due diligence, and then by that time, you know, the, the decision was made. Um, and, you know, the ACC got the leftovers. I think that that's an indictment on Jim Phillips's lack of vision um, and lack of, uh, of aggressiveness to, to position the ACC um, in, the, in the best possible way. And, you know, I, I, I was certainly for the additions of Cal, Stanford, and SMU um, to bring in new markets, to bring in, you know, an ec- extra revenue not only to the conference but in the ACC network. Uh, you know, when you have, you know, schools like Florida State openly complaining, Clemson and UNC, you know, the three schools that voted against them. Um, if you have to do these type of things to bring in more money, even though it's for the short term, and if you can get power five schools at a 30 percent rate, I mean, you have to take them. I was disappointed to see that those three schools voted against them. But I'm not I'm not been overly impressed with Jim Phillips. I don't think he got out there and beat the ACC drum for Florida State, um, you know, ahead of the college football playoff selection like you saw Sankey do for the SEC. Um, I don't think he's a, he's um, as aggressive enough. And, guys, you know, if Florida State leaves and, you know, if they somehow win their lawsuit, 
I mean, it's going to be open season for the ACC, and I think it's going to be because Phillips didn't do his due diligence on the back end, on the front end, rather, um, to try to secure those teams. Um, you know, can you imagine if the ACC were, were to have landed, you know, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Colorado? I mean, those are three new markets there. Um, you know, you could probably would have taken the, the three other schools that you did. You're, old, you're well over 20. You know, you were the first mega conference. And not only that, you, you're killing off the Pac-12, and you're, you have one less competitor. And if this grant of rights gets broken uh, in, in, you know, in this lawsuit, uh, it's open season. You know, the ACC, as we know it, will look um, drastically different. Um, now, if Florida State loses in court, I think that their, that their years are certainly numbered in the ACC. I, I think the relationship now is beyond repair. Uh, but it all stems from, I think, Jim Phillips not being as aggressive enough, not being out in, you know, in the media enough to really, like you said, Matthew, to, to share that vision um, and to really be aggressive like Sankey's done for the SEC and Yormick's done for the Big 12. Amen, brother. Amen. Open microphone time. What do you got for us, Ethan? I'm going to go back to the basketball discussion that that I that I was having with just weird, just weird dynamic with Louisville basketball, the program standards, and how low they have fallen. Um, with a lot in the fan base. And, you know, when I say a lot, it's still the minority of the fan base that feels this way. But, like, I'm seeing more than ever, you know, moral victories for Louisville basketball. Um, You know, Louisville and and NC State, you know, State had command of the game for, for probably 30 of the 40 minutes. And Louisville, credit them, had a spirit to come back. They rallied several times, but they also started the game down 12 nothing. Uh, they battled back quickly, but still allowed NC State to shoot around 50% from the field, 50% from three. Louisville's offense has certainly improved. But it's a weird dynamic because, you know, you have um, a big portion of the fan base that just wants to move on from Kenny Payne. Um, he has worn out his welcome. Um, you know, there's zero – nobody has any confidence that he can turn it around. And then there's people that are scared that, like, with each win, is there a possibility that Kenny Payne gets a year three? Um, and, and it's tough, too. Like, if you're, if you're celebrating the, the Miami win and you're just, you know, relishing in it, there's thoughts in the back of people's minds that it's like, well, if they can string together a few more wins, does that mean Kenny Payne could stay? We don't want that. You know what I mean? So it's just the weird dynamic of, you know, Louisville being 6-10. and 10. Yes, they are they look a lot better. They've played a lot better than last year's team. But when you go 4-28, and 28, and it was the worst Louisville basketball team in 82 years, then, you know, the, the standards have, for a lot of folks, have changed. Like, playing hard – is, is something that you give them props for or, you know, being competitive. And then the program standard absolutely is not that. That's a given. That is that is an expectation, game in, game out. But when you've had your struggles like this, it's just it, it's it's just bizarre, guys. It, it, it really is 
just where Louisville is, just the fact that you know you're talking about some improvement, but Louisville six and ten and one and four in the ACC, and people are talking about the coaching, the coach, you know, potentially when he's ten and thirty eight. You know what I mean? So it's just, and it's still a smaller portion of the fan base, but it's just odd enough. Just where everything is, and I think Louisville started off so bad in the easy non-conference. They went five and seven. Uh, they lost to Virginia Tech for their lone ACC loss, and they started so so far behind the eight ball to try to wash that sour taste out of the fans' mouth from that worst year, and they did, and, and they failed. When you're five and seven against the, you know Ken Palm had it in the three hundreds to strength the schedule for the non-conference. You know, when you have a losing record entering into an ACC uh, season, that doesn't bode well. And the bar is so low right now for Louisville basketball. You know, playing hard is is like is having props given to them. You know what I mean? So it's just like it's it, it's weird. It's bizarre. We've never been here before. So I don't know, man. It, that that's. That, for me, and it's hard to really put it into words, how just weird it is. And it's just kind of like, you know, we had, and I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, my, my co-host Taylor and I, we split the Louisville post games on our, our channel, 93.9 The Ville. And Louisville beat, I had the first game of the season, it was UMBC, and Louisville won by one point. It was 93-92. to 92. And, you know, if you check out UMBC stats, they're terrible. Um, at one point, uh, the Retrievers were up by 13. Uh, and, again, this was the first game of the season. But I didn't take it as, like, you know, Louisville won, but I'm like, this is alarming. This is this is a, a game that Louisville should have had in hand from, from the opening tip. They should have dominated. UMBC is terrible. Um, I'm glad they won, but you know there's a lot of red flags. But you had a uh, a portion of the fan base who were calling in, like, why you know why are you still being negative? Louisville won. That's a good thing. We didn't win our first game against you know a like-minded opponent um, this time last year, but it, it it proves my point that the standards and the expectations have lowered, whether some folks realize it or not. That that's this is where we are. And, you know, when you're talking about, you know, we we eked by New Mexico State, we eked by Bellarmine, and we had the same type of reaction. Like, this is is bad basketball. Why why are these games this close? I'm sure you guys didn't subject yourself to watching Louisville and New Mexico State earlier in the non-conference. But, gentlemen, Louisville was down by eight points with like a minute five to go to force overtime. And before they forced overtime, uh, Louisville was called for a uh, block, and New Mexico State was in the bonus. All the guy had to do, he the foul was called with like .2 seconds left or .5. It was less than a second. All that guy had to do was hit one or two free throws, and he bricked both. He wasn't close to hitting. So the game went into overtime and Louisville won. That's the type of struggle in the non-conference that Louisville's had, and that just kind of sets the baseline for how things historically for Louisville basketball, you know, we wouldn't be 
talking about any positives in normal years if Louisville lost to a good, if not, um, you know, a good potential NCAA tournament team in NC State. Like, the fact that Louisville kept it competitive, even though they started out twelve down 12 nothing and down by as many as 14 points, like, the whole dynamic of, uh, again, the Louisville traditional standard in this year, it's just so weird. I hope I'm explaining it well enough. It's just – it's a different type of thing, um, to put it to put it uh, bluntly. And, you know, there's very little confidence that, that, that Coach Pan will win enough to, to get a year three. But I think the, the terrible start in the non-conference set the bar so low. Um, that that's why, you know, some are seeing, you know, moral victories where we haven't ever talked about moral victories in regarding Louisville basketball ever in uh, my fanhood and time uh, as a media member. Ethan, thank you for letting loose. We really appreciate it. We also, I'll just ask you one, one follow-up. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people might think that perhaps the majority of your fan base, I don't want to say this, this, maybe I'm saying it harshly, has a lot of have a lot of people really checked out? Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, the Yum Center um, gentleman is three fourths empty. Uh, now they had a they had a better crowd for the NC State game, but this speaks to what I was telling you guys about. You know, the, the Yum Center seats twenty two thousand ninety people. Um, the announced attendance has been around ten or eleven thousand. Um, but again, that's the announced attendance. Butts in the seats are averaging around 5,000 people per game. Um, there's been countless number of fans that'll say, you know, I forgot the game was on. I didn't know we played. Or they'll choose not to watch the game um, altogether. Um, so there, there's apathy, certainly. There's frustration. But again, I think this past week has at least um, – bolster the team's appeal, if you will, to allow to 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 want to make fans want to tune in and watch these games where it was just like prior to that, prior to this week, I mean people were like, I'm not watching. I got better things I can do. I'm not doing this anymore. It's not fun, blah, blah, blah. I think this week was le was at least like a little boost, uh, if you will, to kind of get some fans back. But yeah, um if you look at the attendance, and that speaks louder than any Anybody complaining about the state of affairs for Louisville basketball, those empty seats. You've been outstanding tonight, Ethan. Always outstanding guest when you come on this show. Jeff, you're up for Yeah, for my for my open mic here, you know, I want to talk about it. it's only mid January and you know, Ethan kind of mentioned it, you know, going to Seven and seven, the ACC and the ACC SEC Challenge. Fourteen games played between the two conferences, but already we're seeing, um, you know, you have to call it the disrespect shown the ACC in in early bracket projections. Um, even during the time of that ACC SEC Challenge, I remember at at one point when the ACC was about to go up seven to four, they were talking about the SEC having ten bids, and now most projections have them at eight. And this past week's projections, uh, most bracketologists had the ACC at three, three bids, 
which which I found, you know, a- absolutely mind-boggling. When you look at some of the numbers that that the ACC is 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 up against here, and having it already with fewer bids than conferences like the Pac-12 and the Mountain West, you know, the ACC has played over um, over 160 out of conference. Uh, you know, non-conference games going into the to the conference season, and and their winning percentage stands fourth. You know, behind the Big Twelve, and just a couple percentage points behind the Big Ten and SEC, and ahead of the Pac-12 uh, and the Mountain West. And the, and the conference, when you when you look at it, has uh, I just had it right here in in front of me, twelve teams in the top 100 of the of the net with 13 of them in the top 150 i mean that hardly sounds like a three-bid uh league to me and you got north carolina and duke probably playing you know for top you know those are going to be top two top four national seeds and clemson just out out outside of that uh i, I really can't see how you, this week after some of the results I don't. I know Miami. You know, sorry, Ethan. They they, they took a, a metric killing loss to Louisville at home, but made up for it somewhat by by winning at Virginia Tech. And you know that's a team with a couple of Q1 wins. Virginia Tech is is three and three and three against the against the quad uh, one. And that's a team that I think if if they hover around 500 in the ACC, you know should should get a bid. We've seen Wake Forest. Um, you know, since early in the season, they're two and three start now, twelve and four, four and one in the league. Um, I think NC State, also four and one, and Florida State, also four and one. You know, are a little bit on the outside looking in. Um, but realistically, I mean, this is what I don't understand. If we're being fair to the ACC, and you look at North Carolina, Duke, Clemson, you know, as, as probable locks. You know, at this point, um, Clemson a little bit off to a slow start in conference, but I, I think if they just stay around 500 in the league, they'll also be fine because of their non-conference work. Uh, I mean, you have to look at Wake Forest, Miami. If the selections were today, those those are teams that those are NCAA caliber teams, and and I, I really don't see how we're not talking more along the lines of five, six, maybe seven bids for the ACC rather than, than, than three. It's, it's, it's again, what happened during the college football season where the results, you know, are not matching what, what these projections are showing. The results on the field just are not matching up. I I mean, you, you tell me Virginia tech is not at least on the bubble as a, as a three team, as having three wins in the quad one, I mean, if they had to beat Miami at home this weekend, I, w- I would have said, "Hey, that's a lock." If the selection Sunday, you know, were this were this Sunday, rather than a, a team that's, you know, eight, ten teams off of the bubble. So that that's kind of I just had to kind of go on that rant. No, it's the right and, thing and not- to say, Jeff. <laughs> it's the right thing to say because I'm tired of the Big Ten getting eight tens eight teams in the tournament and then dying out the first weekend. I'm sorry if I sound like I'm ranting, Ethan. Do you have anything to talk about? 
No, yeah, I mean, you you guys are right. Um, we're used to the ACC disrespecting football, but we're not going to have it for basketball, too. So, I mean, the, you know, those teams that you mentioned, I think if you look at it right now, Duke, North Carolina, Wake Forest, Clemson, and Miami are NCAA tournament teams. I mean, that's five right now. I mean, you have NC State um, that could make it. Uh, you still have, I mean, Virginia, Syracuse. You know, they're still, you know, 11 and 5, they're 2 and 3 in the ACC. But, I mean, they have, they're, they're capable, especially if they win their home games of being in there. But, yeah, I mean, three, that's a slap in the face. I think when it's all said and done, the ACC will have six. Amen. Amen. Ethan, thank you so much for joining the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you come out of the show, and we would love to have you come. Come here again on the show sometime. Shout out your Twitter account again uh, before you go, Ethan, and shout out your shout out your co-host Twitter account and shout out your your site Twitter account. Whatever you want to shout out here. All right, guys. Well, um, I want to shout out the All Sports ACC All Sports discussion guys too. And then, man, hey, thank you. Where's your Twitter <laughs> account? Like, did you at All Sports DACC? Okay, so no hokey smash anymore. You know, I, I'm on there a little bit, but I, you know, I spend more time trying to publish our, our, I, I do a little bit on there, but I, t I spend more time trying to, trying to work our site out because we're, 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 we're putting some good insight out there and we're, and we're putting some good stuff out on the site and just trying to, trying to publish it out. You know, you never know what happens with X, right? You never know what happens with, with X. So we're trying to, trying to make sure we keep the blog going and trying to make sure we do stuff, get our, at least our commentary out there. So I appreciate you saying that, man. No, no problem at all. Yeah. At Elville sports without an O live at Elville sports without an O live is, is the Twitter feed. Uh, of course at Taylor Lynch and my co-host and that's Taylor um, T A Y L E R uh, Lynch. And then uh, at underscore Ethan Moore, if you would like to, to follow us and all the nonsense that we that we have to rant on about with Louisville sports, so it's great. It, it's great stuff that we're hearing from you, man. Great stuff. Thanks again for joining us on your Sunday night, Ethan, and have a great week. You all do the same, guys. Thank you. Take care.